Hi, I'm Sally Parrish, Amazon best-selling author of The Essential Field Guide for Company Directors and founder of the Board Coaching Institute. I've been in, on, and around boards for over 20 years. And if you, like me, are passionate about the boardroom, then this podcast is for you. And I'd love you to join me on this mission to decode board success. What is it that sets some non-executive directors apart from the rest? How can you enhance your leadership skills so you can be highly effective in the boardroom? And what will it take to make board success a reality for you? I hope you enjoy these episodes as much as I love making them and that they unlock the secrets for you to gain a competitive advantage and have massive impact and influence in your board roles. Let's get started. So if you've been following this podcast for a while now, you'd know that every once in a while, there's a very special episode where we release an episode of our sister podcast, the Non-Executive Director Insider Insight Podcast. So today, here's another great episode. I hope you're going to love these hints, tips and advice from somebody who's out there and doing it. Let's play the recording. Welcome to Insider Insights, where you get to meet non-executive directors and go inside their boardroom. Today, we're revisiting an episode we recorded with Wendy Stops during the COVID lockdown and her unique perspective of board life and hints and tips are just as valuable today to help you to succeed on boards. At the time of this recording, Wendy was a non-executive director of the Commonwealth Bank, Coles Group Limited and Fitted for Work, and she was the chair of the Industry Advisory Board for the Centre for Business Analytics at the Melbourne Business School. Since then, she's also become chair of Blackmores and deputy chancellor at the University of Melbourne. She completed her tenure at CBA in October 2020. So join me now and let's hear from our insider, Wendy Stops. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. It's good to talk to you. Now, I'm really excited to hear all about your board career. Can you start off by telling us what your board portfolio is right now? Yeah, my current portfolio is I'm a director on the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, the Coles Group, and I'm on the Council of the University of Melbourne, and I'm also a a director of a small women's charity called Fitted for Work. That's a really nice spread that you've got there was that a deliberate thing that you've built or did it just kind of happen for you um no it was reasonably deliberate when I decided I wanted to become a director I decided I wanted to have a diverse portfolio probably a little bit of a legacy of having been in a consulting organization you know where you worked in different clients in different places but yeah I wanted to have a little bit of diversity in my in my portfolio so I was also a director of a technology company at one point as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy with how it's, how it's ended up. You enjoy the variety? Yeah, I do. It makes it, I guess, that little bit harder because you're in different industries and, you know, I was not a banker, I was not a retailer, other than loving to shop, of course, and I didn't go to the University of Melbourne. I went to a different university. You know, so I've had to do a lot of learning. And it means, you know, you're constantly switching your brain from 
one focus to a different focus. Yes. Different focus, different dynamics. But I enjoy that. I find that rewarding. I have Annette that I spoke to who said that she likes to get the customer experience for the organisations that she's with. So if she was on a retail board, she would go into that shop and experience it as a buyer. Do you you ever go to that degree? Oh, yeah. I like Coles for that reason because it's very easy to get the customer experience. You know, I can just walk into any uh, supermarket. They don't know who I am, (laughs) you know, and I can just you know, kind of experience and ask questions and talk to the person at the checkout, see how things are going, you know. You know, it's a bit harder in a bank because I would have to kind of fake my experience to some extent <laughs> you know, to do that. Um, but uh, certainly in a, in a supermarket, it, it's quite an easier thing to do and it works quite well, actually. Yeah, it can be very revealing, can't it? Yeah, it can, you know, and, I, and for that reason, I'm conscious that, you know, you just might have caught someone on a bad day or something. So I kind of, do it over time you know the good thing about supermarket is you're going there all the time and I actually love supermarket shopping I'm one of these people that goes up and down every aisle so I do immerse myself in it and uh, and I sort of move around three or four different supermarkets and just you know sort of see how things are going. So very dedicated in your research. (laughs) Yes but it's always on the back of of doing home shopping so that's okay. (laughs) So how did you get started what was your board break? Yeah, my board break was the Commonwealth Bank, which wasn't a bad one to start off on. I, you know, full-time executive, I worked in a company that actually didn't allow you to join boards. And so I didn't have any board experience, but I had a ex-colleague who had become a director and I'd kept in touch with her quite a bit. And I talked with her about becoming a director. And so she was sort of aware and had her ears and eyes out. And and I guess like anyone, once you become senior in an organisation, you tend to get approached by recruiters anyway and sort of, you know, are you interested? And I would always be, yes, I am, but not now. You know, I can't yeah. join a board while I'm working and, you know, maybe in a couple of years' time or whatever. And then when I decided to retire <laughs> from executive work, I contacted her because I knew she would find out through another mutual friend we had. So I contacted her to tell her that I was retiring from my uh, you know full-time work and she said well that's coincidence she said because I just gave your name to the Commonwealth Bank <laughs> um, as a someone they should talk to you know she didn't realize I was about to retire yes. um, and so that's she said look they may think your skills are not what they really want or whatever and I said look I'm fine I said It'd just be a great experience I said just if they want to talk to me, I'd be happy just to have one conversation and, and it would just be a, a good experience for me because, you know, I've been working for over 30 years. I hadn't been for I'd worked for the same company for 32 years. Wow. I had not been for a job interview for a hell of a long time. <laughs> so, so I saw it more as an experience. And so I met with the chairman. We had a great conversation. Not at all what I thought it would be, but we had a great conversation. And at the end, he said, I'd like you to meet some of the other directors. So, you know, one thing led to another. And nine months later, very long process, they asked me to join the board. So that was my first board. And of course, once you join a board like the Commonwealth Bank, I didn't really have to put myself out there very much. Um, <laughs> people came knocking on my door. After yes, that. yes, um, I can imagine. But while I was, you know, while I was going through the process because I always thought at some point I was just going to get dropped off the list you know it wasn't it wouldn't end up you know happening and so I was doing things like talking to I'm a member of chief executive women because there's a lot of women on that in that organization who are directors and I talked to some of them about you know my CV and 
you know, I had to totally rewrite my CV from being a consultant's CV to a, you know, potential director's CV and and just I did a, a couple of sort of half-day sessions on, you know, being a director and just things like that to kind of get my head to make sure I was positioning myself as best as I could and talking to whatever sort of recruiters, I should say, came my way. Yes. Um, and, yeah, and then once the bank came, as I said, it, it sort of became a bit easier after that. Do you ever get approached? My husband works for Telstra and if everywhere else someone pull out their phone and say, oh, I've got a problem with my phone. He doesn't know a thing about phones. You know, he works in the sales executive side. Do you ever find that you're an open door to Commonwealth cases, complaints, queries? Well, I mean, directors are always open to taking customer complaints and queries, but I don't think I've been, uh, I haven't been approached too much on that. Right. I did, I've got to tell a funny story. I was in a supermarket, this is before I joined Coles, but I was in the supermarket one day and I just walked past this woman and I presume it was her daughter or someone, and I heard them say something about not being happy with the Commonwealth Bank and, I, and I, my ears pricked up. And so I kind of like stopped, grabbed something off the shelf, and then I kind of turned around and followed them down the aisle, you know, listening <laughs> to what they were saying. And it was at a point when the bank had just been criticised over the insurance business. And so, you know, she was like, oh, well, I'm not, I tried to change to another bank and blah, 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 you know. And I was like, wow, you know, I was kind of like getting this whole thing. I didn't, uh, I actually contemplated saying to her, look, I'm a director. And I thought, no, I'll be here for half an hour if I do that. I'll just listen to her and, and then take that back, you know. So, but look, most times, no, people surprisingly, you know, relatives like to have a complaint or, a, you know, a friend of a relative or something like that. You know, you tell your yeah. sister that this or that or, you know, sort of thing. But, yeah, no, it hasn't been too bad. So can you explain for an executive that hasn't been on a board before, what's that link between operational research to customer experience and yet the board having to stay very strategic and not get involved on an operational level? Can you kind of close that loop for us? Yeah, look, it's it's one of the toughest things, I think, for someone coming from an executive role into a board role is to find that right balance and the place you sort of pitch yourself between being someone that loves to dig deep into the detail, and I was one of those sort of people, um, versus, you know, a director that has to kind of have more of a helicopter view but be able to kind of go into enough detail, you know, to know what's going on. And I think, you know, when you talk about strategic versus operational, I think this, you know, most boards, the role of, of the board with the company in terms of the strategic side of is really to help shape and form the strategy for the company. So it is generally, I say generally because I know this doesn't work in all boards, but generally it's a two-way sort of thing that goes on, you know, where, you know, maybe once a year you might have a heavy strategy session and then there's other sessions that you have. But there's it's a it's a lot of toing and froing and before the strategy is sort of, you know, set in place. Whereas operational obviously is something that's happening every day. And for the average director who's come, you know, who might be early days from coming from being executive, that's the one you tend to gravitate to because it's, yeah. you feel like it's more familiar to you, you know, to look at operational things. And But that's the one that's harder to find that balance because you really are, they're running the business, not you, you know, and as a director, yes, you want to 
ask questions, you want to be comfortable that you think they're doing the right things, that they've got the right perspective on things, they're not, you know, doing something overly risky or whatever the case may be. So you do have to be able to probe and ask questions and pick up on things that don't seem right and maybe offline, you know, look into things in a bit more detail, that sort of thing. But ultimately you're not telling them how to do their job. You know, they're the executives, they have to do their job. And so you're just trying to guide them, you're trying to give them the benefit of your advice, your experience, and, you know, dig into the things that you want to get comfortable with, you make sure it's all covered. But, yeah, you've got to find that balance between not telling them how to do their job. Yes, yes, because to micromanage puts them off. They don't see that as empowerment if you're telling them what to do. It's a fine line. Once that trust is broken, that's very hard to get back, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. What are the challenges, do you think, for non-executive directors? What are the day-to-day challenges that they face? Yeah, I think the climate for directors has been changing in Australia, particularly in the last, you know, since the Royal Commission, compliments of the banks. But, you know, I think it's as... You know, most people are aware if if you're looking at the director space, the accountability is actually quite high. And I don't think, you know, I didn't go into being a director thinking, oh, I'm going to be really accountable. Do I really want to do that? I went in there because I thought I could really add value and I wasn't ready to totally hang up my boots, you know, and I wasn't, didn't really want another full-time job. So I, you know, thought it was a good opportunity for me to, you know, share the, my experience and my value and so on. And that's the reason why I went to being director. So if I think if you're very worried about the accountability, it's possibly not the right job for you because yes. it does come with a reasonably high level of accountability. And depending on the industry, depending on the regulatory environment that you're working in and so on, that could even be more. So, the you know, financial services, for example, as we know now on the back of the Royal Commission and everything else is quite a highly accountable environment. It's quite public. You know, we have this thing called the bear accountability, you know, for banking executives and that covers directors where, you you know, you have to be on your toes quite a bit. Now, again, even since that's come in, I don't think that's changed what any of us, how any of us behave or act. We're more conscious of it. But at the end of the day, we know if we do our job and we do our job well, then it'll be fine, you know. But I think it is worth people understanding that the accountability side is something you just need to understand and be prepared to accept it, you know, depending on what industry you're going into, that that yeah. may be more onerous than others. I think the other challenge is what I already alluded to, which is finding that balance between being an executive versus being a director and knowing when to probe deeper versus when to not, you know, knowing when to follow up offline versus you've got it covered in the board meeting. You know, there's just a lot of dimensions to any organization I think the other challenge is if depending on what your expertise is directors are expected particularly in Australia to be kind of across everything you know you're expected to have a certain level of financial expertise so you can understand the financials of the company and so on you know nowadays you're expected to have a level of technology understanding and expertise and you know that's my area especially so I'm fine with that but for other directors that's quite an uncomfortable space for them to go into you're expected to understand the industry or learn the industry and, you know, get it, you know, so there's, you've got to have breadth. You can't think, oh, I'm going onto a board and my expertise, my, my executive life was in 
you know, like me, information technology, and therefore that's the skill I'm bringing and that's where all my focus is on that board. No, it's not that. So, again, you know, if you don't have some of that broader expertise, you know, my advice would be for people to try and get some of that before you think about, you know, financials for, is a good example. I didn't study accounting or anything, so I was not, you know, a certified accountant. And that's been quite a challenge for me to really get on top of, you know, because particularly in, in a banking environment, it's quite a complex accounting world. So, you know, things like that, I think it's worth the person assessing their own skill set and looking at it and saying, where am I strong? Where am I weak? What can I do to at least get some base level of skill and capability in the areas that I'm a bit weaker in? So that when I do go on a board, I'm not just bringing the deep expertise I have, but I've got these other, now I've got a base level understanding and I can bring, you know, insight and whatever in these other areas as well. Yes, yeah. And that balance is is quite difficult sometimes because we do look to the IT expert and the IT topics to guide us but sometimes it's the person with the least experience in that area that adds the most value because they have the most fresh outlook yeah and they just ask the dumb question you know there's always you should never be afraid to ask the dumb question as a director yeah absolutely Um, you know people that don't have background are usually quite happy to ask the dumb question in something (laughs) you say and I, I don't know if you're in a position to answer this having gone into such an amazing role straight off the bat without any experience but what would you say to somebody who's starting off today what advice would you give them um I think it's important that you think about what sort of organization you'd like to be on the board of so you know, when I did speak to, to recruiters in the early days, one of the first questions they'd always ask me is, so what, what industries are you interested in? Or were, and, and initially I hadn't really thought about that other than thinking I wanted to be diverse. But I found I had to consciously think about it and say, well, I'd rather not, you know, be in this industry or that industry. I'd be quite keen on that one or this one would be okay. Or, you know, so I think you do have to think about where do you want to focus your attention? Do you want to put it all into one particular industry and have multiple boards in a sort of a similar vein? Or do you want to be like me where you have more of a diverse portfolio? And if so, which industries are of most interest to you? I think that's one thing you should do. Obviously, we've talked about the CV and, you know, having a, a board-ready CV as opposed to a uh, executive CV. But I think, too, you have to think about your commitment because I think people can make the mistake of thinking that a board is a great second career to have. I can go from working, you know, 50, 60 hours a week down to once a month, two days, a bit of reading, you know, rock up to the board meeting, you know, and it's all done. And it's definitely not that environment. Um, You know, you are expected to put in outside of board meetings, whether it's, you know, like the things I said before about following up or whatever, learning the industry, you know, doing surprise visits into supermarkets or, you know, whatever. There's a lot more to it. You have to be much more switched on. You have to be much more tapped into what's going on in the world, what's going on in your industry, regulatory, all those sort of things. So there is a lot of outside board meeting things you need to do. So I think you have to be clear in your mind about how many hours you want to work um, and how much you're prepared to put into something because that, you know, you can come unstuck if you think it's, you know, an easy career 
that just work a few hours a month and that's all I have to worry about, which unfortunately a lot of people do think that and that's not the way it works. Yeah, it's a myth that we're starting to challenge yeah. quite a lot now. Boards have changed a lot in the last 10 years, haven't they? The yeah. court of public opinion now, and you know, no thanks to social media, but we don't only have to worry about the true stakeholders but everybody else's opinion as well and that's coming in real time and it gathers momentum and it's always a tribe you know that's instant now that feedback yeah look it is very different and you you know as a director you have a responsibility to the company and whatever And if you're on multiple boards you've got multiple companies you're responsible to and you have to be very mindful of what you do outside of work you know, nothing wants to, you don't want to appear on the front page of a newsletter, you know, I don't know, drunk one night or something. Yeah. You know? I mean, you, you, you are a public figure, particularly as a director of a company, a, a listed company in particular. So, yeah. you know, as I said, it all comes with the territory and you just need to be, you know, very mindful of that. Now, if you've been a senior executive in an organisation, you, you would be aware of that anyway. But I think that's something to be mindful of. I, you know, I think for me, you know, when you said one of the things, how boards have changed a lot. I mean, obviously there's been quite a big push for women on boards um, in the past few years. And I learned this off many years ago in my executive role. I was listening to a panel discussion and they had a woman who was on that company's board and she said that she would never go onto a board if she was the first woman on the board. And she explained that because she, she said, well, the reality is it wasn't never but she said she's very mindful of not being the token woman. And so here in Australia, as the push for more women on boards or whatever has come, I've I've always kept that in the back of my mind. I don't want to be the token woman either. And so I think, you know, for those women who are watching this video, I think, you know, it's just something to be aware of when you're going through the process. Most recruiters and companies are pretty honest when they say, look, we want to get more women on our board or whatever. They'll tell you that, and that's fine. But what you need to make sure is that you will be a woman who's on a board and you'll have the same voice as every other person sitting on that board. And, you know, whether you're the first woman or you're the second or third or fourth, whatever the case may be, you just need to be comfortable that, you know, you're not there because people say, oh, well, we've got to get 40% women yeah. so we hire another woman, you know. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll talk about your due diligence in a moment, what you need to check out before you go onto a board. Yeah. But that is a critical piece because it's not whether or not you're a token woman. It's the board's perception to the value that you're going to bring. And if their perception is you won't bring any value, but we've got to have this quota, then you're never going to get heard in meetings. You're never going to be influential. I've had a director say to me in the past that, you know, she will say it, it doesn't get heard, and then a male director will repeat what she said a few seconds later, and I think it's a wonderful idea. You know, how did you come up with that? That's amazing. So you've got to understand that board's approach. So if they do have a quota, if you are going to be the first woman, that that might be okay, but it's dependent upon how the board perceives the value of that female coming in to the role. Yeah, no, exactly. So that's just something to be mindful of. Yeah, and, and unfortunately it is still something that we do need to be yeah. mindful of. Okay, due diligence as you're getting getting to in a minute, I think, but it is really important. Yeah. Yeah, tell us about that due diligence. What do you look at? What comes into your mind when when you're offered a role? 
Yeah. So actually, when do you do your due diligence or what part of the process? I think it varies. I mean, you know, I, I'll be honest, because I've been lucky to be on two large, very public, you know, company things, I don't have to do a lot of due diligence about the company itself, right? You know, it's yeah. pretty obvious who the Commonwealth Bank is and who Coles is, you know, and whatever. And But I guess the main due diligence, I think, is around, and it's something that came to light to me from that very first conversation I had with the chair of CBA. I thought I was walking into a job interview <laughs> and it wasn't. It was a chat. It was, you know, he, he wanted to understand me and who I was as a person and my some of my beliefs and all that sort of stuff. And because they were, he was, and eventually the other directors were, wanting to see how I would fit into their environment. You know, am I the sort of person that could work, work with the other directors? No point hiring someone who looks like they're going to be a total off the wall, totally different on everything else that goes on. Now, you, it's not about finding people who think exactly the same as you because you want diversity of thought and so on. But you've got to be able to get along, you know, and, and, and collaborate and stuff like that. So they're doing that on you and you need to do that back on them, right? Yeah. It's a very two-way process. And so right from the very first discussion you may have, you should be thinking about is this person the sort of person that I think I could work with? You know, do they seem like... You know, are they listening to me? Are they, you know, or, you know, to your example before, or are they just like brushing off what I'm saying and throwing the next question at yeah. me? You know, is this an environment that I think I would be comfortable with? So the more you meet with other directors, and if you're on a board that's not suggesting you're going to meet with other directors or at least the CEO or someone, that's probably not good. You probably should ask, can I meet with some of the other directors? Yeah. Because I think, again, it's, you just need to kind of get that lay of the land and, and feel like you could work with them. And you need to be able to ask them, how do you work together? How do you resolve differences, you know, stuff like that? You know, I didn't ask those sort of questions the first time around because, you know, it's a Commonwealth Bank and I don't need to ask these sort of questions, you know. But now I know, you know, and as it turned out, it was all fine. But, you know, and now I know you do have to sort of ask those sort of things. You do need to sort of understand how decisions are made in the organisation. You know, if you're, for example being asked to go on a board that might be maybe a smaller board with some the CEO might be a founder or someone like that you need to understand and well how do they operate you know how much control does the founder CEO have or the founder chair or whatever it may be is it really a true board the way it operates and you know so on so all of that type of dynamics is really important I think the other thing then again depending on who the company is and so on you do need to look at their financials and the state of the business is the business in you know what shape is the business in um what is their purpose and their vision and their mission and you know do they seem to abide by that you know do they you know if, yeah. to the extent they're a public company can you see that that's the way they you know present themselves in the public arena and so on i think it's helpful to understand what their what their strategy is as much as they you know feel comfortable sharing that with you that's the sort of thing you can't usually do a lot of due diligence until you're a bit down the track um, yeah and same with the financials you have to be sort of a bit down the track to be able to do that but once you know you're maybe in the last couple or they're still going through you know maybe you're the only one left but they're still talking you know that's when you can start to see well can I can I see some of this I'd like to see the financials I'd like to for the last two or three years I'd like to see can I, you know, get some exposure to the strategy? 
Can I talk to the CEO if you haven't already talked to him as part of the process? You know, things like that just to, you know, get yourself comfortable that you're joining the board of a company that is who they say they are and, you know, nothing's worse. You know, you should ask things like, well, what current, what's your risk profile? Can I see your risk register? Can I understand what your risk you're dealing with? What's your regulatory environment like? You know, is there any current cases or anything being taken against you? Or, you know, you just want to know what you're stepping into because nothing's worse than thinking you've come into this nice, clean company and you get in there and all of a sudden find they've got, you know, some court cases or whatever against them and they're, they're hardly holding their head above being insolvent and, yeah. you know, all of those sort of things. You want to make sure that you're comfortable where they're at and, you know, and and I think what value you can add as well. You know, if you think you're yeah. going in there, if they say, well, we want you because of this skill or that skill, well, test it out a little bit, you know, just see where they're at in that space and how do they operate and how does the board operate around that space, you know. Yeah, it's and just, are they really open to the value that you can bring? Or do, yeah, it's exactly. just on paper we need this value, but we're not really going. Yeah, to exactly. Do. You know, if they say this is what's important, it's a bit like the discussion around the female on the board, you know. If yeah. they say, oh, yeah, we want female on the board, but when you dig into it, you find they really just want the token woman, well, you know, that's very different, you know, sort of thing. Does so that it, come natural to you now that you'll always sort of scratch below the layer? Is that sort of like a natural tendency because that's what we do on the boards right we always kind of look yeah. beneath the surface do you find that you're naturally more curious and you ask more kind of qualifying questions of, of everyone now yeah look I think you know I, I haven't been through a board recruitment process for a little while now <laughs> so um, um, the next one I go through I'm sure I will have a, a lot more questions and things you know with all the experience that I've gained on the various boards that I'm on but you know, on the board itself, I think you get into a rhythm as an individual, you learn. I mean, I've always been, even in my executive life, I always said, if I'm not learning, then it's time to move on. And and I, I would still say the same even applies on, from a director. And I'm not suggesting that you're there purely to learn. You're clearly there to add value to the company. But I think over time, my interest, at least anyway, is also in, in learning more about the company and how it operates and the industry it operates in and so on, so that I can be a better director and I can improve the way I add value to the organisation. So, you know, that's, I think, you know, if I looked at how I operated as a director going back nearly six years ago when I first started to how I operate now, I think it's very different. And part of that, I think, is just the natural experience that you get in doing it and working under the leadership of different people in different organisations. You know, you learn a lot of different things and you pick up different things. But also I think your own education, you should always be prepared to continue your own education offline. So things like, you know, the AICD director's course. I mean, I did that after I'd been on the bank six months. I'm glad I waited. I think it's much more insightful, much more valuable when you've had some experience and, you know, so that was great for me. You know, I probably could have waited even a little bit longer, but I think beyond about 12 months is, you know, is probably the limit I would go. So yes. somewhere in that six to 12-month period I think is a good time to do something like that. Particularly on a listed board. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah. it's more important on a listed board than, and than others. But, you know, they do have things for not-for-profits and so on as well. So, you know, I think and there's a lot of other resources out there. There's a mountain of resources, you know, organisations like, like yours and, you know, and many others that yeah. help people 
learn to be a director and become a better director. And, and so I think you have to, you know, I'm constantly seeking new information, you know, new insight. There's a lot of sessions that various organisations run, whether it's recruiters or big four accounting firms or whatever, you know, specifically for directors. And I try to get to as many of those as I can because you always pick up something. Even if it's in your area of expertise, you'll be surprised what you can pick up and learn from other directors or whatever. So, And I think that's what it's all about because you have to have a continual learning mindset, I think, to be a director. You can't be complacent. I mean, you know, I have a technology background and if I'm not continually trying to keep on technology, I'm going to become redundant very quickly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, very, so, very fast. <laughs> um, you know, so there's a lot of things to keep your expertise current but also to keep your learning of being a good director as well. Yeah, and financial services moves quite quickly as well in terms yeah. of product development and, and product technology. That's a very yeah. fast-moving yeah, exactly. kind of industry. My very last question then, if I if I may, is that the, the ASX listed board, the public listed board is, you know, like the dream role for many, many people that are, are in board roles now or starting out. From your side of the fence, having sat on public listed boards, what would you say to people who are aiming to get there? Is there a particular skill set they should consider? Is there a particular way that they approach those boards should they work their way up or can they take a, a huge jump from where they are what what advice would you have for anyone particularly hoping to get a role on a public listed board yeah it's an interesting one you know I was really lucky clearly with who my first board was and at the time CBA was you know number one company so you know I couldn't aim much higher than that so I you know I was you know everything just worked and all the cards fell in place for me but one bit of advice I was given somewhere on the line is be very mindful of where you want to pitch yourself when you're starting off with your board career because in most cases inevitably wherever you pitch yourself and where you land is where you end up staying, <laughs> right? It's actually, I think, relatively hard. So if you said, well, I think I should start in the ASX 200, you know, and look at some an organisation that's between 100 and 200 in, on the ASX, Chances are, and, you know, you can do that because they're, you know, there's a lot of them and it's probably an easier board for a first-timer to, you know, to get on. But chances are then that that's where you'll end up staying. You know, when recruiters and whatever go out there looking, they're not saying, well, who is down at this level that's got the potential to move up to this level? Yeah. They're looking at who's already at that level, you know, because they've got to put the best people in front of their client And so unless you happen to be, and I hate to use the word lucky, but there's a bit an element of luck there, unless you happen to have contacts who are, you know, in those higher boards who happen to know you and know you're quite good and and therefore they can put your name forward and, you know, things like that, it's quite hard for the usual channel of recruiters to consciously put you up for something you know, when you're operating down here. If anything, they do the opposite. I'm constantly getting approached for companies that are down in the ASX 200 or, you know, whatever. Um, And I look at them seriously because you never know. There might be the next, uh, you know, the next Atlassian or someone, you know, down there. But but it's, um, it's very rare to see the other way around. Now, if you've got 
networking, and I didn't mention this before, networking is absolutely key. Don't finish your executive career and then say, okay, now I'm going to go look for a board role and not have a diverse network. I was a little bit like that. I'd spent three years overseas before I sort of came back. And, you know, I was in a career that was full on. I travelled a lot overseas. I was constantly on planes and whatever. And the time to network was very, very limited for me. So I didn't do much of it. And that made life so much harder, so much harder, because I didn't have the contacts that I could go to and say, you know, here's what, here's what I'm looking for. Have you got any ideas or suggestions yeah. or hear anything, put my name up? Or I was lucky I was a member of Chief Executive Women because I had a few contacts through there, but I spent a lot of time in those first few months before I joined my first board networking a lot with those people, with those women, you know, and really trying to branch yeah. out more. I was lucky, you know, I was lucky that I had an ex-colleague who put my name forward and that's that's that opportunity to sort of come in at a higher level. But otherwise I think, you know, it's, it's very hard. So you do have to think about where you want to pitch yourself. You do have to say I'm not going to jump at the first thing that comes my way. I've got to make sure it's the right one. It's the right one for me as my first board because your first one is your most critical one. Now I did jump at my first one but I guess, you know, it was a pretty good one for me to jump at but you know I think it's important not to you know not to think oh I've got to, it's got to happen soon if I don't if it doesn't happen in the next three months or next four months I'll be stale and no one will want to hire me and you know whatever you know take your time to some extent it's always every, everyone knows when you finish an executive career you're going to want to break right you know yes, so yes. it takes you six nine, 12 months or whatever, that's fine, you know, that's no big deal. But work on your network, you know, get out to those recruiters, knock on their doors, let them know who you are, what you're looking for, and really think about where you want to pitch yourself, what industry, what level, particularly if you want to go for a listed company. I think it's a fantastic experience, a listed company, because it does have a whole dimension to it much more. You know, you're very public, so you have to understand you're going to be very public. And so it's a great experience. But you know, just think about where in that big long list of listed companies you want to pitch yourself. Yeah, absolutely. There have been so many amazing tips there. I've been scribbling away. Thank you so much for sharing your journey today. It's such an inspiration. And just just to be able to know that that's possible makes it possible for everybody else. It's like that first four-minute mile. As soon as somebody could run it, everybody else could do it so it's going to be very inspiring for everybody listening um you keep mentioning luck but we know that luck doesn't happen in isolation so yeah I told no myself, doubt I told myself I have to stop saying that because yeah just, I've no it, doubt there's incredible <laughs> hard you work effort. The right place at the right time sometimes but most of the time it's your hard work it's your yeah, helping people understand who you are and, and if, if you get the point where they offer you a role, it's because they are convinced that you're the right person for them um, yeah. and that doesn't happen by luck. Yeah, absolutely. So I was going to say all credit to you because behind that luck would have been hard work, effort, determination, long hours, compassion, or every value you can think of to land all of those roles. They don't just give out all roles to anybody, right? Exactly. Thank you so much for your time. It's been lovely hearing your story. You're fabulous. Thank you. Thank you.
Thanks very much for tuning in. I'd love to know what you thought of this episode and what you took away from it. I'd also love to know what topics you're interested in hearing about in the future and which experts you think should be featured on this Board Success podcast. If you enjoyed listening, please share with your colleagues who might also have an interest and make sure you click to follow or subscribe to be advised of our upcoming episodes. In the meantime, if you're a leader or a successful executive and you're looking to launch your board career, or if you're an established non-executive director and you're ready for the next level, check out the resources we have available for you on the website at boardcoachinginstitute.com.au. Until next time, here's to your board success.